Today's episode of Azure Lunch is sponsored by the Microsoft New Zealand Partner Hub. If you are building software or providing services related to Microsoft products, then you should check out the Partner Hub for training, advice, and a heap of resources, including the Partner Practice Playbooks, and you can get them at aka.ms slash nzpartnerhub. Tēnā koutou katoa, ko Daniel Larson, taku ingoa, ko Matt Simpson tēnei, haere mai, welcome to Azure Lunch. Matt and I are senior technical evangelists at Microsoft, and I'm joined by Matt. Kia ora. good morning Daniel. We work for Microsoft, but you should know that our opinions are our own, and today, SQL Heavy. SQL Heavy, <laughs> which is a great name. It is, it is a great name. Celebrating 25 years of SQL Server. 25 years is, is amazing, and look, don't tell anyone, but I'm actually a big fan of SQL. I uh, have been for a long time, and um, yeah, you know, it's probably not the coolest storage or um, database option in the world these days, but it's got a very, very um, strong place in my heart. How about you, Matt? Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, it's where, where I started. So yeah, and I think, I don't know, the cool factor, I think that's changed over the years, but I think, you know, it's just, I guess, because I think... It's just SQL, right? You know, it's yeah. been around for so long. I think you know. I think you know. Some people just kind of discount it and they want to play with it, play with the new toys. But you know, it's, yeah. it's definitely been there. It's got the lineage, and yeah, it's just so much uh, that it can do. So rich, so it's yeah. fantastic, fantastic product. It's amazing, and we use it a lot, and a lot of our customers use it. So today we're going to talk about three three topics all around SQL. Uh, so if you haven't been across what's been happening in in the SQL world for a while, and by that we mean Microsoft SQL Server. Uh, we've got some really cool things to talk about. Some have been recently announced, uh, some in the last year or so. We're going to talk about managed instances. Um, also, SQL Hyperscale, which was just recently released. So think, you know, 100 terabyte um, uh, database and clusters. And SQL Server 2019. So I've been on leave for two weeks. And, you know, those last two, I didn't even know it happened. So that just shows you how... Quickly, things move in the Microsoft and Azure and SQL Server world. So let's start off with um, SQL Managed Instances, Matt. This is the newish deployment model for SQL as a service on Azure. So we call that Azure SQL DB. Um, and this brings near 100% compatibility with the Box product, as in what you would install if you were installing SQL Server on, on-prem, on your, you know, on your own server instead of in the cloud. Uh, and an, or on a VM, of course, running in the cloud. And this enables deployment within a VNet to allow for super secure deployment. So is that true, Matt? That's my, my question <laughs> to you. Does where I mean, tell us about that. What, what have you had? And, you know, I know you've been using it a bit lately. Do we actually, are we living up to that, to that promise? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so... The foundation of Azure back in back in the day was around you know that we had the web product and, and SQL and, and we were running SQL you know as a service back then. It's been a cornerstone of, of, of Azure from 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 day dot. But obviously that service you know Azure SQL DB wasn't one hundred percent compatible with with mm. on prem. There was some you know there was some certain kind of quirks and you couldn't do certain things. You didn't have all the T SQL commands and there was there was you know you could trip yourself up a bit. Obviously it's come a long way, but now you know. 
Um, I'm, I'm not sure what the ratio is to now what what you'd, you'd get out of a you know a vanilla SQL deployment versus you know um, Azure SQL. Um, but you know there's some there's some challenges, some changes, and stuff like that. So this is really bringing that um, I guess that last the last mile for those those customers that couldn't quite make it because they were relying on on something uh, on you know a, a feature of the op, the box product or the on-prem product um, to really allow them to push it into the cloud and also. Just that deployment model within Avenit. Obviously, Azure SQL is a PaaS service, um, has a public endpoint. You can secure it with a firewall, but it does have that kind of public, um, uh, yeah, public uh, foot in the cloud. Uh, with this, you know, you can put it in a Vnet, um, wrap some more security around it, so you really can. You know, if you've got so many objections to, to that, it's it's a super secure model. Okay. Yeah. So let me rewind a bit. So we're comparing this to. You know, if we were installing a SQL cluster, you and I today on our own hardware, our own VMs in Azure, we would, you know, we'd, we'd actually install the product, we would set up the clustering, we'd, we'd do all the management, manage the storage layer ourselves, we'd set up the SAN, all that sort of thing. I mean, when I order a SQL managed instant from Azure, is there just some guy in the in the background just, you know, installing that and doing that for us? I mean, how do, and then we, we wrap a product around it. How does this actually work? So it's an extension of um, the existing product, but I guess it's just um, deployed in a, in a slightly different way. Um, it's using, um, as part of its replication technology, it does use always on. So that's mm-hmm. not something that the normal, so Azure SQL DB doesn't use that um, right. for its replicas because it's, it's running on service fabric and it's using that, whereas this is kind of the next level where we're actually, um, we're having, you know, it's, it's only available in the vCore model, you have to do that. Um, so you are getting an, an instance and then um, that's good, that has a scale out um, read replica of it as well to give you high availability within region. Um, and you still get all the niceties of, you know, you don't have to patch, you don't have to worry about the kind of how many nodes you're running under the covers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the storage is essentially a, a slider bar. You can increase the storage um, up to kind of eight terabytes, and then you can, you know, um, you can go even further with the the vCPUs. I think Gen Five stuffs now like eighty cores worth of, of SQL, wow. so it's kind of crazy yeah. um, big on that um, on that tier. So it's really giving you a a much larger footprint for those for those databases, and really um, going forward, and also bringing some of that um, that other tech that, that we don't have um, with SQL DB, which is you know. Um, you know, good old SQL agent. Um, you know, the mm. job agent. We don't. We don't have that. Um, sure. There's ways to work around it in um, Azure SQL uh, mm. DB. So the PaaS service we've got Elastic Jobs and those kind of things. But you know, to t- to lift and shift. You know, maybe a 2008 box. Maybe you're worried about mm. 2008 going. You know, the R2 stuff's coming coming to its end of its yes. life next year. If you want to, you know, that's obviously there's a long tail on some of those migrations. So to be able to take it and, and push it into the cloud and not have to worry about some of that stuff, you know, it really does give you that migration path without having to go through a massive, massive rewrite that you might already be um, already part way through. That's a very good point. So it sounds like what you're saying to me is we get the goodness of really this, you know, SQL engine running on the fabric, which gives us that massive scale, resiliency, high availability, disaster recovery, uh, all of those really good features of distributed computing, as well as the goodness of um, availability groups, always on, sorry, um, distributed availability groups, which for SQL people is is a big deal. That's an amazing feature of the latest versions of, of SQL Service. So, hmm. so that sounds very cool. And I guess the big one for me with managed instance was was cross um, cross database queries. 
um, which you couldn't. Well, you, that's right. You could never do that in yeah. um, in SQL DB. SQL DB had this concept of you had a logical server and yeah. then the database, and you could have you know you could essentially attach five thousand databases to this logical server. Yep. So it was always this logical construct. It wasn't um, you know, and that was a complete departure from from the yes. kind of um, the on-prem product. But now you know. The, I guess the limitation with that is that you couldn't do a cross cross database query. So yeah, that's right. First time you write a use statement, and then uh, oh, yeah, nothing works. Nothing works. So, so that that was a big factor. So this is this again, just being able to take a maybe a, a system that was written a, a few years ago, um, yeah. and you still you know you still kind of we um, you know wading through that migration or you know paying some of that tech technical debt back. You know this is a way of of getting to the new stuff quicker. Very cool. All right. So what did you say? Eight terabytes. Yep, that's a very large database. But hey, you know, I've I've got a lot of data. What if I want to go more? I mean, SQL hyperscale. It's uh, a new architecture model for Azure SQL. This is decoupling the compute and the log and the storage, which is very cool, and is allowing rapid scale up and down. And am I reading this right to databases for 100 terabytes? Yep, 100, 100 TB. Who needs 100 terabytes in their database? <laughs> I guess, I guess some people do. I mean, this is you know, this is the the way now that we're just. Um, you know, consuming data and, and you know the, the petabytes and things like that. I mean, you know, we're seeing petabyte scale data lakes and those kind of things. So to think that you know maybe the transactional side of things, you know, this is still yeah. we're still talking OLAP here, so we're still talking, um, you know, um, oh sorry, OLTP. Yeah, OLTP. We're still, sorry, yeah. sorry, we're still talking OLTP. So this is transactional. So I guess you know if your data lakes are you know several petabytes, then maybe your transactional store is a couple of hundred uh, TB. So yeah, it's kind of crazy to think, but yeah, it's, this, this is the way it's going. Um, do you remember? Do you, sorry to interrupt, but do you remember the the SQL dudes used to come over? The um, SQL product managers used to come over to the Ignite and Tech Ed conferences when that was still a thing and do Secrets of Scale. Like that was the <laughs> name of their of their talk, and they would talk about how they you know at those days it was probably a terabyte a table or a petabyte a table. And um, you know, uh, sorry, a terabyte of table, and say how they managed to scale that uh, across multiple regions and things like that. This is really, I think, probably taking a lot of that hard work um, from you know throughout the years and wrapping it up into a into yeah, a product. But I mean, even on a, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know the the upper limits of the the largest, you know, how many disks you can attach to a VM. But I mean, this must be. Far surpassing that. Yeah. And would you even want to do that I mean, on, yeah. on VMs? I mean, it's kind of crazy to think that you could go from, you know, if you had to do this yourself for a hundred terabyte. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, the VMs are limited to you know, four TB disks and things like that. I mean, you'd have to stripe so many across, and you know, you'd be into these monster, you know, kind of M series VMs or you know, G series VMs just to get the the just the raw storage to attach to it to a to a machine to get into those kind of, um, you know, we're getting into kind of proper. Uh, data lake territory but i really like the architecture where we've kind of decoupled the the logs because that was yeah. really the the biggest kind of the bind is with um well not bind but you know the, the biggest problem with sql some some people think with azure sql db is that you know if i want to scale my dtus then everything goes with it so my mm. compute cycles go with it i have to scale up storage and mm. i have to kind of move you know the t-shirt size isn't really a t-shirt it's a full suit and pants and I've got to you know change all of the sizes as I, the as I move through yeah so Top to bottom. Uh, now you know with the with the hyperscale stuff because because of that decoupling um, where we've taken away compute from storage from logs um, you know those can scale independently um, and also you know that gives some throughputs mm. um, but it also gives some benefits around uh, you know breathing in and out scaling up and down so let's go deeper on that because I think we really need to, well, I'd love to see a deep technical 
um, analysis on how this thing works. But, you know, we all generally have an understanding of MDFs and LDFs and, and that file system and how that how that works. Now it looks like we're tearing apart that storage layer, as you, as you just said, um, from the from the database engine, which which is great. It looks like we're starting to deal with with blobs at the storage layer, and we probably need well, I need to do a bit more research on this and how this is working. But it sounds like we've just completely rewritten that storage layer to scale, right? Mm. And blob is becoming you know the kind of de facto place for a lot of these things. We start seeing you know you need to see the Gen two data lake stuff, which yes. is is direct to blob, blob now. Polybase, um, Polybase is blob, mm. you know. And all of these servers can talk easily to Blob, and it's becoming, yeah, like I said, it's becoming this this option to where you can can really place anything. We've now got the premium Blob offering, um, which is SSD-backed object storage. So yeah. that's kind of crazy, and I think this is where it's really pushing this service along, where we can actually, you know, we can do this. And I think storage is that underlying technology that everything relies on. So yeah. as that moves, uh, you know, that gets, um, you know, revved, um, it's enabling these new um, great features on, on the other side of it on the other platforms. That is super cool. We'll post a link on the show notes to uh, to the blog about that, and I'll go hunting, see if I can find a bit more technical information about that, but very exciting. Uh, that was uh, Azure SQL Database Hyperscale. Let's talk about SQL Server 2019. It feels to me like only a few months ago, we, well, probably years, I guess, that we announced the last version of SQL Server. What was that, like 2017? 17, yeah. Uh, so we've kind of gone, yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of stepping up the cadence of those release cycles, really. I mean, fully. I mean, it was only a year. I guess we went 2016 to 2017. Yeah. Skipped 2018, now we're 2019. But we had to do 2019 because SQL is 25 years old. Yeah. What, what is that? Going back to the original, what was wow. it, Sybase? Yeah. That's when it got amazing. ported, yeah. When we bought it. Yeah. What was the first version? I think I started working on version SQL 6. 6. I think 6 was my... Oldest memory. And that was revolutionary, right? That's yeah. Like, oh my goodness, this is seven, and then we moved into the two thousands, right? And then it's kind of you know. Yeah. And then you know, with Windows two thousand, kind of went for SQL two thousand, and then yeah. we'll step through those. But yeah, you think about how you know, just in that that whole concept of how old it is, it's kind of crazy. That's great, and still, you know, one of our, I mean, there's a lot of people working on that team. This is a pro, this is a product that we invest a lot in and it's a it's a very um, a very big deal for for Microsoft and of course a lot of our customers so I'm just going to read this back to you the, the big news is that the data layer has been expanded to across HDFS to enable tighter integration with spark what I mean what can you explain that a bit more how do, what does that actually mean so obviously SQL engine you know um, you know the, the there's a tight coupling there you know you, you don't really have a, a you know the the data layer is essentially you know the underlying disk subsystem, whereas HDFS is more of a you know it comes from the Hadoop world, yeah, and is more of that distributed um, distributed uh, system. So okay. you know, we're kind of blending those two worlds where you know SQL you know has its roots in you know that kind of traditional you know relational databases. You know we moved into data warehousing and we moved into bigger and larger and you know more. Um, ubiquitous data sets and you know and Spark obviously from the open source world is is you know the predominant um, factor there and obviously they've come along uh, you know they wrote Spark you know this, they wrote Spark SQL so mm-hmm. now you can you know the SQL is that ubiquitous language between the two products you can actually you know um, have you know similar queries running on the, on different systems but this is really pushing the two systems together to have you know the single plane you know managing multiple clusters managing you know multiple environments is, is hard and, and doing mm-hmm. it at scale you know doing it with 
with with small teams and then having them to you know, manage these ever ever growing data estates. It's just mm. kind of tying it back back in so you can you know essentially have somebody that's familiar with um, with both systems, but they don't necessarily have to manage both of them. It's kind of giving us back a, a single cluster and then you know being able to look into an HDFS store mm. uh, and bring that bring that technology in. So that mm. was. Um, it's been possible before, so I think we're just kind of unifying it a little bit more. Yeah, and um, I, th- I think there's a trend. There seems to be a trend there, right, where we're um, uh, where we're starting to embrace more storage uh, planes and systems. HDFS, Spark. I mean, Polybase is, you know, le- allowing us to work across all sorts of yeah. different uh, stores. And Polybases are, you know, that that's the data virtualization layer. Um, that was that was there that really allowed us to to bring and it was a it was a great way of bringing data sets in or looking at external data sets mm. um, and that was really uh, you know that was big in the data warehousing phase where we were you know we were taking maybe extracts or raw raw data coming in we wanted to pull them into the warehouse Polybase was great there and that that technology's kind of rippled its way through into you know SQL and now down into the kind of you know into the box product as we call it um, but yeah and now we now being able to search, I mean, that was, Polybase was just around uh, looking at Hadoop-based systems and SQL and kind of blending those two worlds. But now we've taken that a step further and expanded it. So now we're going across Oracle, Teradata, um, and NoSQL. So we're going into Mongo as well wow. now. So that's kind of crazy. Where yeah. You can say, well, doesn't matter where your data is, if I want to pull it in and do some analysis on it um, in SQL, you know, the, the tools are right there and I can treat that as a, you know, I can treat the Mongo as an external table in SQL, yeah. which kind of just seems a bit crazy. But. That's unreal. And knowing that team, and it's what I love about hearing about these announcements, I'm starting to think, well, what's coming six months down the track? What's <laughs> coming 12 months down the track? I mean, what are we going to be integrating with next? You know, so very cool. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the AI stuff is coming. You know, there's more support for for the R and Pythons of the world, you know, running that in in SQL. You know, there's massive support for Kubernetes and containers, and they're really pushing that, you know, running SQL in um and containers and giving some HA support there. So, yeah, they're, they're constantly revving the product. And Next thing you know, we'll be running Java on SQL Server. Well, you can do that now. What? <laughs> yeah, so part of the 2019 announcement is around uh, language extensibility. So you can actually, uh, you can run uh, Java in, <laughs> in SQL. It's kind of cats and dogs, um, you know. That's together. unreal. It's, it's pretty great. I mean, Python was mind-blowing. Yeah. You, know, you can write Python in a stored procedure now, yeah. if, if you didn't know. Yeah. Uh, and now Java. Yep. That's great. That's that's very cool. Hmm. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Dan. Really cool. We've yeah. got uh, we're recording a couple more episodes this week and we've got a couple of very special guests coming up, including uh, Vishesh Oberoi from our commercial software engineering team and also Ben Chartrand who did a talk at uh, Azure Lunchtime meetup recently. We'll be talking to him about about functions. So yeah, please tune in to the next episode of Azure Lunch. And today's episode is sponsored by the Microsoft New Zealand Partner Hub. Again, if you're building software or providing services, come and talk to us. We'd love to know what you're doing and you should check out the Partner Hub because we've got great training and advice and a heap of resources including these partner practice playbooks that we keep talking about. There's a playbook for data and AI, uh, which is very good. And that's all about how to set up a, a, a data and AI practice and a lot of really good practical advice in there and about how to set up a practice, who to hire, how to market it, you know, all, all those things is in there. So if you haven't seen those before, go and have a look and download those, those uh, partner practice playbooks from aka.ms slash nzpartnerhub. And as always, we've got all the links on the show notes and we'll see you next time on Azure Lunch. 